Recorded on January 24th, 2022. Winter Blues. Welcome to the Push Ahead Podcast, the podcast that's all about pushing the political conversation ahead, not pushing back. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Shelby. And I am Pamela. And I love the name Winter Blues. We have winter blues, spring blues, summer blues. We're all about the blue. Blues, yeah. Yep. And we're here to talk about Florida's Republican officials' war on education and civil rights. But first, we need to address the elephants in the room. We have a sizable elephants gallery today. Yeah, we got a lot. The first one is we have more guilty verdicts for the January 6th insurrectionist. Four Proud Boys were actually found guilty of insurrection. Do you know if any of the people from here have been found guilty yet? I do not know. Okay. Anyway, some Proud Boys were found. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the guy that put his legs up on oh, I saw that desk was found guilty of all eight of charges. Really just staying rude. Your feet on the desk. Now we have a story to tell our kids. Get your feet off the table or else we're going to lock you up. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be found guilty of insurrection. Uh-huh. The yeah. last time somebody left their foot on the table, this is what happened. Uh-huh. His defense is, this completely destroyed my life. No, duh. That's why you shouldn't have done it. Play this st- completely destroyed my life while I was trying to take somebody else's. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. There you go. Pretty much. We got a lot of stupid games to talk about. So what's next? We have Schiff who introduced the constitutional amendment to end Citizens United. Yeah, so I saw you wrote that down. And I didn't have time to research that. So tell me more. Tell me more. It's just a show, basically, because it'd have to get three quarters is it two-thirds in the in legislator and three quarters of state senates right or it's the other way around it's two-thirds of states yeah oh because they have to the states ratify it yeah. yeah so it has to pass congress and then the states go and vote on it and then i think what is it after that happens there's a constitutional convention where they actually put it into the constitution i can say right now florida is not gonna no. are you do you know what i found out yesterday y'all know we have a state representative named thad altman he has never done anything but run for office like he's he was serving on the county commission when he graduated from he got his bachelor's degree it took him seven years but he's still he was serving on the county commission and then i don't know what he did for four years and then he ran for state house and then he flipped with debbie mayfield and was state senator and then he was back to state house and now he's turned out so do you know what his personal net worth is just fake a stab i guess mitch mcconnell is or was 10 years ago worth 50 million so. yeah but this is state this senator. is state Thad right. altman is worth and he makes thirty thousand dollars a year actually twenty nine thousand and some change he is worth 4.8 million dollars they're not going to vote Citizens United no, out of existence. Not at all. No. But it's symbolic. It needs to happen. Definitely needs to happen. In 2016, Hillary Clinton was running on this issue. She said, we need to stop Citizens United, even if it ends up being a constitutional amendment. Yeah, it's got to go. It's the worst thing that ever happened to a democracy. Everyone's like, what's the number one thing that would fix almost anything? I said, get money out of politics. Yeah. Make bribery illegal again. (laughs) Yeah. Make it actually work for the people and not the people filling your representatives. Not just representatives. Here in town, there's some super shady stuff, too. So it's just I've learned so much crazy stuff. And I think the average voter, because I was the average voter, just really has no clue. They just think it's my neighbor down there running for county commission. How bad can they be? I can tell you. They're How? pretty bad. We also had Kamala visit us. Jim visit me. In Tallahassee. Yeah. She came to Florida. Yep. She came to Florida, took a dig at Ronnie on the 50th anniversary of Roe. And his bulldog came out saying this is because she was talking about freedom and she said this is the list of requirements to attend this event you had to have a covid test or 
Right. Which I think everybody has the freedom to make those choices. And all I, and I actually responded on the Twitter feed saying, as opposed to Ron DeSantis, who literally just has people removed from his press conferences before they even speak. Yeah. If he's told to. Yep. We all do them. Yep. Yep. Because Jennifer Jenkins was removed from a press conference here in Brevard County. Debt ceiling. McCarthy, now that he has control of the... Nothing. Yeah. He barely (laughs) eked out control of the house. He now is trying to play the debt ceiling games. We talked about this last week when on the episode you weren't here for. Just as an update, (laughs) McCarthy not actually governing. Now he's trying to do battle with the White House and get concessions, trying to take away Medicaid and Social Security. And And the IRS, guys. Yeah. Because the reality is that's really the only place there's any money of any substances in our entitlement programs. That's a fact. But they're the last bastions. They're also 90% of American voters like them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they also don't benefit the ultra billionaires. They're not Trump's tax cuts. They're not. As a vet, we got to rein in our defense funding. Yep. It's the meme that goes around. When we started sending stuff to Ukraine to fight Russia, by the way, we're, we okayed to send 30 Abrams tanks. Oh. Uh, Yeah. So Russia is about to find out why we don't have universal health (laughs) care. But when it comes to Ukraine, I think about this a lot. I'm always on. The, we spend way too much on defense. There's no doubt. Right. Yes. But this money being spent going to Ukraine. It's already is spent. Far less than the bodies that would be sending if we weren't supporting their war. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because this war, it would spill over. It would be bad. Yeah. It would be so bad. Yeah. So I'm excited to know that, that they made that. And I love the way you define that. <laughs> Russia's going to find out what we don't have. I would prefer universal health care, but... Tanks are nice, too. Tanks are nice, too. So taking it back to the debt ceiling and McCarthy is on his own. Today, Mitch McConnell put the onus on McCarthy saying, I wish his negotiations with the White House are going well. So the Senate is staying out of this. Because totally a House problem. They manufactured this problem. People don't really understand how the debt ceiling works. It's not borrowing more money. It's paying our bills. It's paying bills for money we already spent. It's paying Donald Trump's bills for his very expensive... But it's paying bills that we've committed to paying. It's Uh, not... And... Almost every time that this has come out, the Republicans' approval ratings have dropped much faster than the Democrats. Every single time. In a super Mm -hmm. close house, that's really what you want to be doing, tanking your approval ratings for next time, right? But he said he was bright. He's so shiny, though. At this point, anybody that wants to lead the house on the Republican side has to be a tiny bit crazy. Yeah, Yeah. I wouldn't want that job. No. No. You're stuck with a complete pathological liar because that's one of the four extra votes that you have. Oh, yeah. Yep. I think it's dumb anyway with regards to that. What's his face? Who, by the way, has Santos. ties to Brevard. You're close to Congress, whether you have four votes or three votes. Just let that guy go. Santos, we talked about him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, the debt ceiling negotiations never went this poorly for Republicans when Santos was Speaker of the House. Or when he was president. Yeah. They, when he he was negotiated pres- yeah. fairly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He got the Democrats to jump. I yeah, jumped right on into that. Uh-huh. So can we all just agree that classified doesn't seem to mean what we think it does, apparently, since... Everybody seems to have classified documents. Still bad. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it is. Classified, the actual definition is still classified. Yeah. But I don't know. I thought that meant classified. Uh, Apparently, it just means secret in your house. Yeah. Yeah, they're documents. It's bad. If a military member or government contractor or government employee who wasn't famous and name dropped by the media all the time had a classified document in their possession, they'd probably be in jail. Quietly. Yes. And, you know, it's really bad. What's really bad is that I actually laughed 
when I found that Pence had documents. That's Same. terrible. Like, I should not be laughing at that. That should be a critical thing for our, our country's defense. And my thought is that DOJ doesn't talk about this. The FBI doesn't talk about this publicly. This because wasn't... it makes us less safe. And yeah, yeah. Because yeah, when they confirm that classified documents were out there, they're also confirming that anyone who read it read genuine classified documents. And so... if we don't do that, they might be guessing it, and they yeah the that's that's the whole point of i can neither confirm or deny now i'm not gonna sleep tonight yeah so there's someone leaking this about the biden thing trump leaked his own thing and i suspect i'm sorry trump leaked his own thing i just that just sounds funny oh, yeah. well he did stormy, probably does according to stormy daniels it resembled <laughs> that little dude from mario with the mushroom cap <laughs> dripped his little thing yeah right, go on so it was so inappropriate i apologize everybody <laughs> No, I don't. Go on. Sorry, not sorry. I wonder if it's curved like a Cheeto. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I suspect that someone is leaking this to normalize it and we should not normalize this. What Trump did was bad. It was worse. What Biden did was bad. What Pence did was bad. They were entrusted with these documents and they weren't good shepherds. So we. I think it's bigger than that. I think we have a problem at the National Archives, honestly, because the fact that nobody knew that this stuff was even missing in the case of Biden and Pence, they were just like, let's check that library book. I did turn in a library book 40 years after. But these are like this should be somebody needs to have better control over those documents than the vice president. Like this is or whoever else. Hey, this should be an event where generals heads would roll. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you, I love the National Archives. It's my favorite thing in Washington, yeah. D.C., but there's a problem. The rules I mean, about this. Know. Yeah. The rules around these documents are just so strict. People get kicked out for minor infraction. You know that if it happened with a piece of homework or a book or something else, you'd go, what's so bad about that? And then it's, oh, it's classified. And then you go, oh, OK, that's why they're in jail. Yeah. Anyway, it's crazy. Yep. I didn't know about these next couple of things you got down here. Yep. Yep. So today, the day we're recording, which is, again, why we say the day we're recording on, the judge had a hearing in Fulton County to go over whether or not to release Fannie Willis's special grand jury report. She is the one who is investigating Trump's perfect phone call on behalf of the people of Georgia. Okay. And is potentially going to bring charges, again, potentially against 75 people. Wowzer. Yeah, that's that's quite a phone call. It's bigger than that. Once they figured out that it was including the fake electors and all of that, it got a lot bigger. It wasn't just the phone call. Got it. It was all the other phone calls after it. What's the next step with that? The judge will have to decide whether or not he wants to release the findings because the grand jury did ask for it to be made public and the judge should respect their wishes. It's just a matter of timing because D.A. Willis is saying that it could hurt her case to to display all of this, where if it was made public, this would be parts of her prosecution strategy, which would let their lawyers have an unfair advantage in court. And it might also leak private details of people who were investigated. So the judge is probably going to release a redacted version that will then be used to feed the actual grand jury and bring real indictments. Cool. But I think we should do what Fannie Willis wants. Yeah. Fannie wants, Fannie gets. Yeah. So the fact that she says that it could hurt future investigations and future court cases means that she's going to charge people. 
So it's just a question of whether or not it goes all the way to the top. Cool. Do you have a de- uh, do you have when this is going to happen? There's been rumblings that there's a, another big grand jury case starting in Georgia. But mm-hmm. of course, you can't t- talk about it or anything. Yeah. I was called into Florida jury selection actually in December. And yeah, yeah. So different state, different jurisdiction, different level. This wasn't federal level. It was just in our little county courthouse. And one of the instructions was you are allowed to confirm that you are being summoned for jury duty. If you are selected for a jury, you are allowed to confirm that you have been selected for jury duty. And you can also let them know the expected duration. You can't confirm or deny anything else beyond that. So none of the jurors are going to leak to the news that they're on the Trump jury. Well, hopefully. Or the grand jury selection. Yeah. So if they are, they're not going to be jurors anymore and they might be in jail for contempt of court. There's someone running against cinema. Oh, yeah. And by the way, cinema is not a fancy name for a movie. No, it's an awful, horrible. No good, lousy. Senator that puts money before democratic values. Before people. Yes. Not honestly, in, most people put money before her, but yeah. Yeah. So she wanted to be this amazing or she ran, presented herself as this amazing progressive. I remember she was yeah. like super progressive. How did she even win? She lied. But the, the, no, the it's in a moderate district, right? Yeah. How did she win? Because she no, ran no, pretty she, far left. It's state of it's state of Arizona. And the oh. person that she ran against was crazy and okay. Arizonans knew it. So she easily won against them. And I think it was another. The question was crazy, you know, versus the crazy you don't. And they went with the devil you don't know. Got it. So who's opposing her? Representative Ruben Gallego. Just as. Oh, I was right. It's Gallego. We apologize to Ruben. Your sandwiches are delicious. We love them so much. (laughs) (laughs) And we will love you for winning and we will support you from here. Yep. All right. Cross the pond elephant of note. So Brexit was the UK's Trump moment. And it didn't last as long as the Trump moment. It's it still lasts. It doesn't feel I like mean, it's like in your face every day. Yeah. It's, it's not running for itself again. No, it's actually imploding. Yeah. So I saw yesterday it is less popular than Vietnam was after the Tet Offensive. Wow. That's pretty unpopular. Yeah. I was alive, so I can tell you. Yeah, yeah. And so according to YouGov polls and other across the pond pollsters, it has like a crazy low approval rate, like in the low 30s. Wow. Keeping in mind that the crazy barrier that I use as a rule of thumb, when Nixon left the White House, his approval rating was in the high 20s. When Trump left the White House, his approval rating was in the high 20s, which... So the high 20s is the floor. So that's pretty. That's a low floor. Yeah. So Brexit is hovering just above the floor and it's looking like the movement to rejoin the EU has crossed the popular point and now has a 57 percent approval rating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I suspect that this is why we were hearing news about the UK Parliament trying to stomp on Scotland's laws to make it easier to reassign your gender and government records if, if you transition. Got it. They bought it. They broke it. They bought it. Yeah, yep. it's their problem. Yeah. But it's always nice whenever yeah. someone's Trump moment. When ends. we have a little hope. That yeah. Yeah. Be. When Bolsonaro was kicked out of Brazil, when Brexit is falling on his face, I'll believe it when it's actually ended and over. Anyway. I'm glad we got rid of those elephants. Now <laughs> it was for a menagerie of elephants. Oh. Yes. 
Yeah. So let's start the show. Let's start the show. Basically, when Stop Woke happened, the AP objected and said, hey, these are for actual college credits. You cannot rein in our program. If you mess with the curriculum, we will no longer accept your Florida AP credits. Yeah, they can just pull pull AP out of Florida. They made that little caveat that AP was exempt from the Stop Woke and Don't Say Gay. And then all of a sudden last week, Ron DeSantis refuses to allow African-American studies, which is an actual major you can major in in college because it lacks educational value. Right. Yeah, there were a couple of other paper thin justifications that he threw out there. He said it breaks the anti-woke law. And I'm just going to say, if we are not providing Florida students a competitive education because of a law that some authoritarian in Tallahassee thought was required, that's just a bad law. Anything that's hurting our students' ability to compete on a national stage. And I'm going to tell you, like AP, it's no joke. I taught AP. But not only that, but the Florida, not just Florida, but nationwide, Republicans are defunding public schools. And Mm -hmm. one of the ways they were doing that was utilizing college credit in high school. And taking AP out is just going to make college, keep college more expensive. And it hurts our kids' abilities to get into competitive colleges. It's also going to piss all the parents off because they saw it as a way of saving some money. Also, anecdotally, AP is pushed far more down here in Florida. I moved halfway through high school and the first two years I was in New Jersey and AP was something that you could do if you wanted the extra challenge. The teachers actually said up front, we're not going to prepare you for the AP test. If you want to sit for the AP test at the end and see how you do, you can. Otherwise, I believe that the teachers get like a $50 bonus. In New Jersey, it was $50 bonus. And it was also a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, It was around when I was in school back in the dark ages when we actually had chalkboards. (laughs) But... It was the same kind of thing. Like I didn't take any AP classes. Yeah. Like they only offered AP humanities, and I thought I don't want to study paintings. Now, can you imagine me turning down AP humanities? But I didn't know what I didn't know. But it's huge. Like my kids started college with thirty-two college credits because of AP. Mm-hmm. So African American studies, no educational value. And by the way, next week is the first day of Black, Black History, History Month. Right. It's really good timing, Ronnie. Actually, it is good timing. He counts it right after MLK Day. And from a political standpoint. It is good timing for me because it's making people realize what a monster he is and what a an out and out racist. And if he's not a racist, his policies certain are certainly. And yes. I don't think he's going to get away with it. The only reason AP College Board hasn't pushed back is because the course is currently in pilot status. Right, this is the pilot course. And it's only in 60 high schools across America right now, which means that it's not like Florida teachers could pick up the book and start teaching it on Monday. DeSantis's messaging monsters are trying to make it sound like almost as if the AP created this class just to put Ronnie on the spot. They created a, a national course for advanced placement college credit just to embarrass Ron DeSantis. Right. No, the course exists because it's what's proper curriculum when yes. you're studying African-American history. Yeah. You can't study the history of African-American culture and what makes that such a unique point in place in our world without talking about black queer community, without talking about the, all the things that, that they object to. I they call it not imagine what a syllabus in a DeSantis approved any history class. Is it going to be like, like three sentences long? We invited people here to work for free 
We gave them free rides. And then we offered to ship them back when they weren't working for us. Yeah. And they didn't want to go back. So now we're not going to teach them. Like, is that sentence one, sentence two, sentence three? And Mm -hmm. that's just that portion. There's so much history they don't want taught. Once upon a time, there was a great land where nobody lived. (laughs) No, I'm upset. I'm looking at my son's grades in fourth grade, which is supposed to be Florida history. And I remember the lessons. I remember everything. I was complaining to a teacher friend. I'm like, they're not teaching it. They might get to it once a week. And she's, yeah, because we have to follow this bigger curriculum and it lessens history. Here's one Florida history story I vividly remember growing up because I was in fourth grade in Florida as well. Again, dark ages, chalk. And we went to there St. There was Al- chalk in my classrooms. Thank you. I there were chalk in mine life. too. I feel better about my life. Anyway, I'll tell you this. When I was in elementary school, high school students could smoke on campus. There you go. That's how old I am. <laughs> so we went to St. Augustine and when they explained Osceola, so you have a different lesson that was taught to you. I remember that the lesson was that he was lured to the fort with the promise of peace. Mm. We were, we learned that too. So when I went with my kids, which is the age you are. So if you learned that was, that's not what St. Augustine said in the fort when you went there, when you were in fourth grade, Mm. because what it says when you were in fourth grade is that he waged war or something, but it just definitely does not say that he was lured there under misapprehension. And I just remember that was the first time I actually saw history being rewritten or whitewashed. Mm -hmm. And I was appalled then. And of course, now it's it's institutionalized. Yeah, I still remember this video that showed Osceola dissenting and showing that he didn't attack anything. He was forced into this. And I actually showed it to my sixth grade class because we had a presentation on the Seminole Indian. When I saw he wasn't forced, he was lured under false pretenses. So that was even in my generation, I saw that whitewashing of history. And now it's just, thank God, God, the Moore Center is already part of elementary school curriculum here in Brevard County, because otherwise at least three years worth of kids are going to learn it before it's taken out. Hmm. Yeah, I was appalled by the first grade lesson of Martin Luther King Jr. that my son brought home. It was two sentences of he believed that everyone was equal and he achieved that. Yeah, I love when they misquote that. I long for a day when my children won't be judged by the color of their skin. He didn't say they wouldn't see it. You can't unsee somebody's skin color because that basically negates their existence. Yeah. But you can choose not to judge them by that. And the reality is these people, Moms for Liberty, DeSantis' cronies, are literally judging people by the color of their skin by saying they don't see it. Yep. And he... And if you ever letters from a Birmingham jail, you would know Martin Luther King Jr. did not oh, yeah. love white people. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the he didn't re- like capitalism either. Yeah. So the reason we talk about him so much and the reason that he actually was successful in moving the needle, he didn't he achieve really everything, um, was because it was either deal with him or deal with Malcolm X. It was also because he was a martyr. Let's hope we don't have to martyr people to get anybody's yeah. attention anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because dead people don't really act up too much right it's so obvious what they're doing in rewriting black history in the state and in the state they're rewriting black history for the country it's every bit of history if it's not american exceptionalism it won't be taught and i'm like i don't love my country less for knowing it has flaws i love my country more for knowing that we acknowledge our flaws there's not a perfect man-made system on our planet no there's going to be flaws and that's how you grow when you don't grow is when you try to pretend there are none like Rome, Nero, and really feel like we're yeah we're approaching that place. The most at success- least in Florida. Yeah, the most successful governments are the most people proof, protected from people like Ronnie, who is trying to expand school vouchers. Let's talk school vouchers. Let's talk school vouchers. 
when the state legislature promotes any bill, they have to talk about the financial burden on the taxpayer or the financial benefit of the taxpayer. And literally, the bill says no negligible difference while we're vastly expanding vouchers. Now, as a Democrat, we get a lot of pushback on our opposition to vouchers. And I'm just going to say, as the chair of the Democrats, I'm not opposed to vouchers. I'm opposed to a complete expansion of them when it's not the student, the parents choosing a school. It's the school choosing the kid. When this, Because the schools, because somebody said to me, how do you explain why those schools have such good test scores? I said, because they don't have to take your kid. Yeah. They can pick and choose which kids they're going to, yeah. whose vouchers they're going to take. And Let, they also take all the money out of the school districts that actually need it. So let's talk a little bit about how vouchers play into the Republican strategy of gutting the American taxpayer and bleeding them dry. So privatization is essentially where services that the government should provide because nobody's going to make a profit teaching kids where is the profit in teaching kids because you're not seeing that return on investment society is educated populace is a productive populace everyone makes more money because the economy improves when everybody's educated that's just the economic benefit of education education for education's sake has suddenly been completely thrown out and just an educated populace tends to be kinder to one another yes yeah and so the republican strategy bigger strategy is wherever possible take these services and then have them run by private industry because they argue, oh, private businesses can run things better than the government. Private business is more profitable or is more economically responsible or blah, blah, blah. They come up with a whole bunch of lies really just to get government contracts that they then use to provide worse and worse services over the time. And then they say, OK, this is terrible now. Look at healthcare. We use the same phrase a lot as Democrats to say they're using that to take money away from public schools. Honestly, if our public schools aren't serving the community, there's an issue. But the problem with this is they don't have to have qualified teachers. And again, they are cherry picking the students. Just because you have the ability to get a voucher does not mean your kid's going to get access to that school. So the private schools or the the for-profit charter schools can look at your test scores and take the kids that are already performing so that they can keep their test scores higher. That's the problem with the unrestrained expansion of vouchers. I want every parent to be able to choose the best school for their kids. And if your community school is not meeting that need, then we need to address that. What I don't like is that you're being told that that's, if you're listening to this, you might be being told. Voters are being told that that's what's happening. And the reality is by a vast expansion that's in place, schools can just cherry pick and take the students with no behavioral issues, with great test scores, with two parents at home who are super involved. I remember the first time I ever heard of a charter school, the requirement to go to that school, you had to sign a contract. This was My nephew was in kindergarten and that contract required the parent to be involved in the student's education. And from an outsider looking in, I'm like, wow, that's really great. But that's where it hurts. It's not just taking money from public schools. It's taking money from public schools and putting it in the hands of the parents who don't need that extra help. The schools can cherry pick and leave all the other kids. It's going to create segregated schools. It's just a segregation based on economic, economics, not just race, likes and family structure. Instead of actually building up the schools with more money and more technology and incentives for the best of the best teachers to go and teach in these schools that are failing. I just know locally, Matt Susan keeps saying, I've talked to numerous teachers that said they were retiring and now they're not. And I did a public records request. 
There's literally zero record of a teacher reaching out to about saying they're not retiring. It's just such a dumb lie because the numbers are what they are. Yeah. So we could just look in three months and see what our vacancies are. If they are lower, kudos to Matt and Wayne. I don't think that's the case. As of January 13th, the state of Florida had over 5,000 vacancies, over 5,000 vacancies just in teachers, 4,000 in support staff, so 10,000 vacancies in schools across Florida. And guess what, Ronnie? They're not retiring because of their union. He came out with his teacher's bill of rights, which is basically, you have a right to not be in a union. We already have a right to not be in a union. It's a right to a higher state. And all those things that he now is requiring, I'm sorry, I'm on a rant. All those things that he is now requiring of unions, teachers' unions, they're not required of the policemen's unions. Teachers union members cannot make more than, I think it's seven times the highest paid or not more than anything. I'll look it up. There's a ceiling that they can't earn more than their highest paid person that they represent. The Police Benevolent Society president makes $720,000 a year. Hmm. Tell me a cop making that. But that's not required of the police union. Just of the teachers' unions. Yeah. Yes, because books are more dangerous than guns. And teachers' unions are affiliated with Democrats. And police unions are affiliated with Republicans. So we like them. Okay, that's a really polite way of saying it. I would have said the mafia (laughs) picked up the badge. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's, disgusting. It's a racketeering racket. Segue into recently, Brevard County and many counties in the state have this ad hoc countywide delegation of their local state representatives. Orange County has one. Orange County is a much happier place as far as I'm concerned. And Escamani is the chair of that delegation. And Brevard has one. There's no real rules for them. We've looked for them. Brevard County delegation is the now five state house representatives and the two state senators. Invite the public to come address them and basically tell them how awesome they are because the only people that show up are the fascists. So I signed up for my place to speak and in my, you have to say what you were going to address. And the question is, this is monetary? No. Is this? No. Is it legislative issues? No. What would you like to, and I said to be heard. That was my whole reason to be there as the chair of the Brevard Democratic Party. And I started out my presentation. I knew I'm like, this is not going to go well, because literally every single person, League of Women Voters had a few questions. The representative, this Republican Women's Club had handed out flags to the Republicans in the room and they were waving when they were in agreement. It literally looked like a Nazi. It was except they were waving American flags, but it looked like some crazy nationalistic Yeah, fascism arrived on our banks, wrapped in the American flag and carrying a Bible. And when League of Women Voters was speaking, a guy held up an American flag upside down. Like, I'm like, dude, like, chill. It's okay. So then I get up and I'm like, oh, I said, this is not going to go well. So I started by saying, by talking about my grandkids. And I said, I'm here today, not just as the proud chair of Brevard Democrats. I went on to define all of my various roles, a mother of Brevard public school teacher, the grandmother of Brevard public school students. But I was officially there as my role as chair, successful small business owner, Melbourne taxpayer. And I'm the product of lifelong Republican voters who taught me that Republicans stand for small local government and value the free market. And on Halloween night, while my grandkids were distractedly sorting candy, I think we talked about this. I said, do you guys think about active shooters real casually? And they all three instantly said, oh yeah, all the time. (laughs) And I was like, you do? (laughs) And the two oldest went on to tell me what they would do if it happened in their school. They've got it all planned out by the oldest meaning 11 and 14. I'm just sitting there stunned. And the oldest one looked at me and he said, yeah, I know that's messed up, right? I'm like, yeah, it's seriously messed up. Well, and their answers were crazy town. And they go to school in a tiny beachside school. Yeah. 
And what I said to the delegation is our kids don't think about who's reading storybooks to them. They're not wondering if the person that's going to read a storybook to them is a man or a woman or a woman dressed as a man or a man dressed as a woman. They think about guns every single day. They think about someone, a crazy one-off, or even one of their classmates coming to school with a gun. They think about that every day. And at that point, they're like, oh, yeah, a few of them. Randy was just waiting for me to say something crazy. So then I go on to talk about the preemptive nature of the Brevard Republican state legislature, that in 2002, Floridians passed an amendment to our state constitution to require the legislature to restrict the number of students in the classroom and for the legislature to provide the funds to do. And in 2011, the state legislature realized, oh, we haven't funded that. So we're going to rewrite the law because the law said core classes and they rewrote the law, changing the number of core classes from 849 to 304, which totally nullified the purpose of the law. And this is what I'm saying to these people at this time. When I said the state legislature overruled citizens yet again with Amendment 4 in 2018 and again in 2021, when every one of you voted to overrule the free and fair election of Key West voters, whose result you didn't like. By the way, the irony is I was following three members of Brevard Republican Executive Committee's Election Integrity Committee. Pretty funny. So then I start and I said, this is not the Republican Party I was told of. And two of the represent two, both the state senators were like, you know what? You're right. I said, where local matters are left to local elected officials and their voters decided if they approved or not. So then I start talking about Randy, abuse of power in West Melbourne. Oh, boy. oh, no. And I said, locally, we all witnessed as Randy threatened two of the city council minions demanding they disinvite. And immediately Thad said, Thad Altman, I am not going to allow you to come here and talk about one. And I'm like, OK, there are no rules. Yeah. And everybody else had been singling out different people, but they were singling them out and jerking them off. I was not. Mm-hmm. So, okay, but no problem. I very politely said, okay, I'll move on. I said, when asked by a fellow state legislator why the, I, I didn't say Randy's name. I started to say the Appropriations Committee was creating obstacles for our public schools to access federal funding, making it harder for them to do the job of educating our kids in the middle of a global pandemic, Randy famously said, because we can. Before I finished that sentence, Randy leaned over to Thad. By the way, I have three minutes. I'm two minutes in. Leaned over to Thad and says, you need to cut her off because you can. And so so funny because three or four of the crazies in town are talking about my meltdown. The only meltdown was was the oversized red toddler. Randy and Thad's assistant trying to figure out how to turn off the microphone. Like it was honestly, I'm surprised I didn't laugh. It was like Keystone Cops trying to figure out how to turn off the microphone. And they did. They literally, I just sat there. Y'all just shut off my microphone. And I sat there for a second and I looked them each in the eye and I said, this is exactly what I should have expected. And I walked out. Now, here's the thing. That is a federal lawsuit. Mm. That is a direct violation. Your First Amendment right does not protect your right to have a Twitter account. It doesn't. Twitter's a private business. They can shut you down. It does protect any citizens to address their government. And I was there on behalf of Brevard Democrats. Mm. So I personally don't have limitless pockets because a federal lawsuit could go on for years. But because it's on behalf of the party, we can, I'm sure our donors would be happy to fund our efforts knowing that this is part of them. We are, and we are currently, we have one lawyer ready to take the case and we're talking to some others that have more civil rights background because this is serious stuff. The reality is these people are all up in arms about Twitter shutting somebody's account down. That's a private business. I've always said, you go into Publix and grab the microphone and say, hey, Walmart's way better and see how long you get that microphone. Mm -hmm. It's a public business. They can do whatever they choose. But this is a government entity shutting down 
a person addressing them on behalf of 130,000 registered Democrats. It's just not going to fly. I have faith in people. The average Republican voter doesn't know how far right their party has gone. And they would be appalled, I believe, because I, they're my family. And they were appalled knowing that this had happened to me. But yeah. I have more faith in the average American than that. So how can the average American push ahead? This was birthed out of conversations I've had with people at the door where they say something that we Democrats get all bent out of shape. How could you say that? And we have this argument with somebody instead of just listening to what they're saying and meeting them where they are. So how people can help us push ahead in this conversation or how they can push ahead themselves is just remembering private businesses are private businesses. Your government can't shut you down. And we're seeing all the, actually, it's pretty consistent tone tonight talking about the fascism from Ronnie's war on education. And we throw around the term fascism and it makes people crazy. No, he's a fascist. They think we're well, they think we're comparing him to Hitler and they keep saying he's he's very pro-Israel. Yeah. Ronnie it doesn't, doesn't matter. Israel. Fascism and Mussolini wasn't about Jews. Yeah, yeah. Just, fascism is nationalism and it is running rampant in our state. And I feel like it's our responsibility to, to hem it in here and let it end here. So you can help us by showing up at your local Dems office. If you're not in Brevard County, I can point you to one. Email us and we'll point you to our local Democrats. We have some elections coming up this year that we don't have any that we won't have any candidates until August. But we already have some candidates for 2024 that you can support. We have two really, really enthusiastic, smart, connected Democrats running for county commission. One in County Commission District 1. He's actually the executive director of Keeper Vard Beautiful. He was the four under 40 winner. He's a very well connected in his entire district. He would serve his district well, including Republicans. He has a lot of Republican support. And in District 5, his name is Brian Bobbitt. In District 5, we have Vinny, who I've not met yet, but Vinny ran for Indy Atlantic. He is very connected with the Sustainability Board in Indy Atlantic and really involved in the community as well. It's exciting to see these people coming to us and saying, we want to run and we are proud to be Democrats. So to answer your question, Jamie, just continue to be proud to be who you be. Don't pretend to be something you're not. And nothing makes me crazier than I, I'm. I feel like when my term is up in two years as the chair, I'm hopeful that more Democrats will be comfortable just telling people that they're Democrats and not feeling like they have to whisper it behind their hand, mm -hmm. giving people a safe place to be. Yep. Yep. And we're early enough that if you want to run, now's the time to decide. There's seven elections in the county this year. Rockledge. Cape Canaveral, Barefoot Bay, some others, Indy Atlantic, I think. And then we're already, like I said, running for countywide seats next year. We have a supervisor elections office. Our current supervisor election is a Republican. He runs a great office. I'm not disappointed if he's elected. He's running against John Tobiah. The world would be really vastly different if John Tobiah were our supervisor elections. And a lot of other places. Like you said, contact me at hello at brevarddems.org or at our email at pushheadpod at gmail. Also, I know that. And we'll point you in the right direction. Also locally on the 28th, which is Saturday, which tomorrow is a rally against, against banned books. books. And that's going to be at Melbourne High School for the Brevard yep. County listeners. If you're listening to this as the day it comes out, which I know you're all waiting for it to drop every week, every two weeks, then go tomorrow to support Farah in the protest against banning books. We currently have, I think, at least 43 books that have been pulled from our shelves. All right. So thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Shelby. Thanks, listeners. Bye.
If you got something out of this and know of anybody who cares about what we're saying here, please share. Word of mouth is everything in the grassroots game. If we're awesome, tell a friend. If we're not, tell us how to get better. This has been another episode of the Push Ahead podcast. Please reach out to us via Twitter at push underscore ahead or subscribe to our podcast in your podcatcher of choice. You can find relevant links to the stories that we're talking about in our liner notes on our website at pushaheadpod.com. The music is Super String Theory by Lobo Loco.